The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Uh, Just as a quick heads up to our listeners, uh, programming will probably be a little bit erratic until the second Sunday of September. Chris is traveling uh, for a couple of weeks. I hope to travel. I will definitely get in at least one show between now and then. Um, But Chris is blissfully going to be away uh, enjoying some well-deserved time off uh, from day job and uh, the podcast. No, I enjoy doing the podcast. The day job, sure, but <laughs> but yeah, um, getting getting away is something we haven't been able to do for a few years, so it's about time. <laughs> and I still have no idea where I'm going on that vacation, but I will be. T- I will make sure I take at least a three day uh, weekend or four day weekend because I am well overdue. I love I love just surprising you, know, but. You have to have something planned, just like a general direction, like take a left, something. <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion of what I'm going to do, but uh, I haven't actually committed to it yet because I have to. Uh, I have to get other things in place. Um, anyways, there is actually hockey and hockey players and hockey stuff to talk about. Yeah, but Nazem Kadri still hasn't signed anywhere. I still find that somewhat surprising. Yeah, I, in fact, I, I, I thought he had signed. But nope, you're right. He has not signed. There were those rumors again that he was gonna he was getting a seven by seven. Apparently, those didn't those didn't pan out. Wow, I have not seen that. Um. Wait, there's some surprising names on the list, but not that I want to get into them. But, you know, guys like <clears throat> Phil Kessel and Louis Erickson and P.K. Subban. And- I'm more surprised that Calvin DeHaan is not resigned or Anton Strahlman. Um See, I don't know. I don't know what sarcasm is. So when I said Phil, Ke- I was surprised that Phil Kessel. And- no, 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 no. The actually I am. I am still. Mm, <laughs> Sonny Milano not being re-signed is actually somewhat surprising. That one could be, yeah, that one is a little surprising. Over half a point a game, um, under $2 million contract last year, but didn't receive a qualifying offer. Only 26, plays both wings. Um, I think there's some impact left in that, in that kid. So he plays right wing. Hmm. And there's Evan Rodriguez, too. Yeah. Um, again... 19 goals, 24 assists, played all 82, just over half a game, uh, $1 million contract last year. So what's he want this year? One and a half, two? Uh, Someone should have him on their roster already. Wait a minute. Sam Steele is on this list. There's some very – well, Sam Steele is one of those players who was, uh, I think – when the general manager change happened in Anaheim, mm. there were certain players labeled as insufficiently competitive, and I believe he was one of them. No. He was on entry level last year. He got no qualifying offer, which makes him a UFA. 
24 years old, center left, though. I mean, you could dig for right wings, but unfortunately they're 32 years old, like Sam Gagne. And no, Evan Rodriguez is a right wing. So is Carter Rowney. Uh, let's see. I didn't mean to get us off on this. I just happened to mention. I just was mentioning that the fact that Kadri still hasn't signed was the biggest surprise to me. I I thought he would have been scooped up by now. Given how well liked he is, <laughs> given how well liked he is, clearly you don't know what sarcasm players, is either. <laughs> given how well liked he is, though, by other players, I'm surprised that Brian Boyle is still a UFA. I don't know if he officially hung them up or if he's just waiting. I thought he to did. sign after camp. For some reason I thought he did, but I don't remember an official announcement. Uh, 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 I've got it. The answer. He made such ahead. a he made such a big stink coming out of college, coming out of Harvard. You know, he, he wasn't going to go to the team that drafted him. He went back, played his four years in college, became a free agent. Who? But Jimmy Vc is available. Oh, yeah, the most important player in the league. Yes. And I am somewhat surprised that Daniel Sprong, who's 25 um, and had a pretty basic contract last year, is also still a UFA. Um, 14 goals with only 13 minutes a night average. Not, not terrible. Okay. Uh, that said, there are a number of things we actually plan to talk about this week, and we should get to at least one or two of them by the 10 minute mark. Okay. Um, why don't we start with the funny one or at least the amusing one? Amusing. I like amusing. So I'm reading Twitter the other day, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Hadn't quite hit the point of doom scrolling, but I'd been on a while. And I get to this tweet. Why doesn't JT Miller have a contract? And it starts playing a video. And of course, the first person you thought of was me. Uh, Yes, something (laughs) like that. (laughs) Um, and I'm watching the video and now all of our listeners are familiar with how much both of us like JT Miller. Like it's Uh, not a secret. I was going to say by now, if you haven't figured it out, (laughs) this has to be your first show. Yes. Uh, either it's your first show or you haven't listened in 270 episodes or so. Um, why doesn't JT Miller have a contract? Yada, yada, yada. Best thing better than Patrice Bergeron, blah, blah, blah. And that's the point where my brains went, what? <laughs> and threw in several words that we don't use on the show. Nope. Because as the lifetime president and chief ankle breaker of the Patrice Bergeron uh, fan club, uh, all comparisons that leave Patrice Bergeron least favorable are immediately invalid. And then I realized who was actually hosting the show. And it's our buddy, John Scott. John yes, Scott. The NHL all-star, John Scott. That John Scott. Yeah, well, all-star. Can we do air quotes? 
did attend and play in an all-star game. Yeah, I can't do air quotes. Damn it. How he got there. Mm-hmm. He was added to the roster just like everyone else. Okay. Uh, okay, I won't fight you on this, even though. Mm. <laughs> you know, I genuinely think that part of the reason that John Scott is so salty on Bergeron is that Bergeron is still going to be playing at the age that he is. And the two of them, uh, because John Scott uh, is going to be 40 next month. Okay. Um, I kind of think he might have actually been drafted or entered the league anyways in the same year. Uh, he was undrafted. He played 06 to 16. Ten years. I mean, I'm not going to question the length of his of his career. I mean, ten years is nothing to sneeze at. What he did with that career and, and the fact that Yes, they let him be an all-star. And, but this is about his <clears throat> comment, which when you sent it to me, and I thought, well, this is interesting. Why doesn't JT, you know, I'm going to learn something. Maybe he's waiting for a specific team. Maybe he's waiting for a specific offer. But, I mean. And as, as Scott rambles on and then says, you know, why don't you have a contract? You're 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 Patrice you're Patrice Bergeron, but better or something like yeah, better looking, better performing, blah 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 blah. It was it was trending <laughs> in the direction of like uh, creepy, I think. A little bit. You know, if uh, baffled is what I was. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, you just compared, and I love JT Miller, and I said this to you when you when this yelled me. I love JT Miller. You know how much I I really want him on the team, but to actually compare him and say he's better than or as good as Patrice Bergeron is just outright ridiculousness. Yes, he has a strong 200 foot game, which is why I want him. Because I think he would be a solid replacement when Bergeron does call it a day. But I mean, the but he is level not. Of energy that he delivered this in, it was trending rapidly towards Harley Quinn. Yeah, a little creepy. It, it, it was just a little bit odd. <clears throat> um, that I mean. There's then there's the other part of there's a new general manager. There's a new coach. Nobody has any idea what the actual problem with the team is yet, because on paper, that team, that Vancouver Canucks team is significantly better than what it has shown in the last year or so. And it's not like they were drastic. It's not like they were drastically bet. Excuse me. Slow down. It's not like they were drastically better when they replaced Travis Green with Bruce Boudreaux. They they uh, had no. that they they had that honeymoon where they won a few games or whatever. But I don't believe, and we talked about this many times. I don't believe it was Travis Green was the. I don't believe Travis Green was the issue. Oh no no no! I think this is a locker room chemistry issue, and I, I don't mean that the players don't get along. I don't know that there's a 
and this is one of the reasons that I'm all that I never got the criticism of Chara as a leader, um, because he was always a very competitive person. <clears throat> you knew where the lines were in the locker room, but he wasn't one for making big speeches. <clears throat> and Patrice Bergeron's a similar style player. But when you look at the roster for the Boston Bruins, the year they won the cup, or even the year, two years later when they had that uh, ridiculous comeback against Toronto in like the late third and into overtime. That was the year they went to the final against Chicago. Yeah. Um, different guys were capable of taking over periods or games and they just bootstrapped themselves up and dragged everyone along with them. Milan Lucic was big in that game. We'd seen Andrew Ferenc be big in games. We'd seen Chara be big in games. Oh, the game, the game where they, the game where they eliminated Toronto was all about Milan Lucic. Milan Lucic certainly was a, was the driving force in that, but there were, multiple players in the room who took that responsibility on themselves to say, I'm not losing. You bleepity bleepity bleepies are coming with me. Right. And other guys following along. I do not see a personality like that, including Miller on the roster. That doesn't mean I'm saying that Miller gives up or that Bo Horvat just folds or wilts or anything like that. There's a difference. There's guys who put in a consistent effort, and there's guys who have beast mode, whatever you want to call it, or that extra yeah. gear, as some people call it. Even though even though he didn't wear a C or an A or you know any kind, if Milan stood up in the center of that locker room and said. Uh, guys, cut the. Sh- we are we are going to win this game. We are going to do this. I am. You know, we are going. I'm pretty sure the guy. Nobody's going to stand up and and want to <clears throat> verbally or in any other way tussle with Milan Lucic. <laughs> and it wasn't just that he was big and scary. It's that he meant everything. He was a hundred percent emotionally committed to the game. Yes. Um, and when you look at this roster, I'm not sure I see that player in Vancouver. In Vancouver, I don't. I, yeah. I I get where you're coming from because I don't see it either. I don't see I don't see a Quinn Hughes or a. I mean, it, I and I'm not saying that they I'm not saying that they can't get there at some point. Maybe they find it deep within themselves. Is it possible? I guess. But yeah, I don't see it out of Elias Patterson. I don't see it out of a, a Quinn Hughes or a. I mean, I mean, has I had, OEL actually played a competitive game in the last three months of a of an NHL season? Does he well, know what that gear is? Whether he has it or not, does he know what that gear is? I mean, the Coyotes have made the playoffs, but yeah, very infrequently. So yeah, I, I think honestly in Vancouver, I think the the last remaining guy on the roster that had that in them, they traded away, and that was Alexander Edler. Uh, I mean, 
you're not going to get me to criticize what I see out of Horvat or Besser. There's talent. Curtis there, Lazar being out there now is one of the better things to happen to them, even though he's, yes, a second, sixth player. Um, because he's got that, he's got a high level will to win. But when I talk, when I talk about Patrice Bergeron, one of the things that I have said for 10 plus years is that he's the emotional epicenter of the team. If something bad happens to Patrice Bergeron, it affects every player on the roster, every call up. They all know who he is, what he does, what he means to the team, what he means to the city. And I've literally never heard a bad thing said about the man. Like, you heard occasional bad things said about Ray Bork or even like Cam Neely um, during their time playing. I've literally never heard anything. And and Bergeron has been here almost 20 seasons. Yeah. And when he... When you see him on the ice looking upset or on the bench looking ticked off, he doesn't need to say anything else. I would think not, no. (laughs) Because, one, everyone's already watching him. And two, if he doesn't, even when he doesn't say anything, the guy sitting next to him or two two, uh, rear ends down on the bench has probably elbowed the guy next to him and said, it's time to, uh, it's time to gear up. Uh, Captain's upset. That's a big difference between cup winning teams and teams who qualify for the playoffs. It's not pure talent. It's not pure talent. Like this team. Mm Mm-hmm would greatly benefit from a Nazem Kadri. <laughs> yeah. Like you throw Nazem Kadri and a healthy uh, Gallagher on this team and you have a whole other roster, even if those are the only two big changes. Nazem Kadri, Brendan Gallagher added to this team and you have up to that Well, you've up the you've up the compete factor by. It's not even compete factor. It's that. Well, it's the, almost I'm, the pathology. I'm talking it's, about the the intangible. The, the yes. Because Kadri is going to bring that something, and he's you know whether you like him, don't like him. Uh, was he a, was he a bonehead when he played with Toronto? Yes. Did you see that when he was playing in Colorado? Not really. Oh. Did he have one? Did he? I mean, did he? Didn't he? I think he had one issue when he was with Colorado. The, the general thing, the problem, the difference there, though, is the compete level of the players around him ah. was in general higher. Like other guys showed up. He wasn't spending his entire game trying to wake up his own roster. Now, whether him, whether Kadri landing in 
in Vancouver would be the best thing for him is a different question of whether that type of player would be the best thing for the Vancouver roster. I happen to think it would be one of the best things for the Vancouver roster. Um, Like if you put him, Brendan Gallagher in your top six and you have a Keegan Colasar like player in your bottom six. See, they don't have energy to keep going all night. I don't think they have that either. No, they don't. They don't really have that grit in in their roster as a whole, and that's that's the issue. Is the does the game require the same level of physicality that we used to see when the Broad Street Bullies and the Big Bad Bruins were a thing? No. But no, but Curtis Lazar is going to bring a li- Curtis Lazar is going to bring a little bit of edge with him. He's not he's not over the top. He's not going to. He's not going to just immediately go to drop in the gloves, but he does have a little bit of edge to him. So he's going to bring that to their bottom six. But I don't see it on this team. I mean, I mean, Tyler or Travis Dermott might actually be the edgiest player on this team. Well, yeah, I mean, you have Luke Shen, but at this point, can he skate? I mean, it's a good point. He's 863 games into his career. Uh, he's been playing since the 08-09 series season. I mean, and Ty- he's 32 years old. Tyler Myers, I don't think he's as physical as he used to be. I mean, he was never that physical to begin with. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm giving him more credit. <laughs> I mean, Tyler yeah. Myers, his top Pims minute, uh, Pims season was actually last year, 66. I mean, like him, don't like him, think that he's a, think that he's a meathead, think that he's a, a fabulous player, whatever you want. But tra- but Trent Frederick, when he steps on the ice, he brings a bit of edge with him. Yeah. Vancouver does not have that player that when he steps on the ice. There's an edge there. There's, you know, things are going to get a little physical. You know, he's going to he's going to check a little bit harder. He's going to, you know, he's going to bump and he's going to bump in the boards a little bit harder. You know, I just don't see it on Vancouver. And I think that's what they're missing. It it, It is. They've got the scoring talent. You've got Besser, Horvat. You got Quinn Hughes on the back end. You got... Elias Pettersson, Rookie of the Year. You got, obviously, JT. I mean, I mean, compare this roster to the one that got them to the Stanley Cup Finals against Boston in the uh, the 10-11 season. You had Ryan Kessler on that that team who was was backing down from no one and skating on one leg for the entire finals. Yeah. Alexandre Burrows, who one of my least favorite players. I want to say uh, like him, don't like him, don't like him. But again, you knew he was on the ice. Brought an edge with him. Rafi Torres. Oh, yeah. he. Well, there you go. Tanner Lass. Yep. Um, they had Al- they, uh, Aaron Rome, who nearly uh, ended the career of of um, 
But you, but that's making my point. You look back at that 2011 team. They had the ability to put the puck in the net. They had Bobby Lou in goal, and until he turned into a, a quivering pile of, of rubber tires. Until he got entirely inside his own head, yes. Yeah. They, he, they had the goaltending, but they had that one thing that this team is missing, which is that edge. And Even it's Kevin intang- It's intangible. It's not something you can measure. It, it, it's it's just it's a persona. It's a uh, there was there is no advanced stat for for attitude and and that team had it. This one doesn't. They've got talent in that in defense. They could use a little bit better defense, but a little bit younger defense, I guess. Uh, 31, 32, 32, You know. But they've got talent to put the puck in the net. You've got decent talent on defense. You've got Thatcher Demko in goal. You just don't have that it, that factor, that that edge, that grit. That's what they're missing. Hunger, bloodlust, drive. Uh, I I don't know what it is, but it's a real thing. And uh, let's see. So, yeah, the JT Miller comparison to Patrice Bergeron, love him, but not going to happen. In unexpected and really kind of depressing news for in a lot of ways, uh, Vegas Golden Knights announced this week that Robin Leonard is expected to miss the entire season um, because he will. uh, It's been determined he was going to require hip surgery. What bothers me is look what happened to <clears throat> Mr. Elite here in Boston when he had the hip surgery. And I'm a little nervous for Robin. I, I'm nervous for Robin Leonard, too. But I think that with with Rask with and the hip surgery, he'd had hip injuries and I think he'd had abdominal injuries for years. I don't know that the hips were necessarily a long term issue. For Leonard, because um, his numbers before last season were pretty consistent. Yeah, um, there was clearly something wrong last year. I mean, it, it, whether he wanted to admit it or not, it, the numbers reflected that. Yes, part of it was the team in front of him, but I think that he was struggling more and, than he wants to let on. And it just sucks because you and I both really like Robin Leonard. He's one of my favorite goalies. He's one of my favorite NHL personalities. Uh, and you and I have talked endlessly for a decade plus about the need for the NHL to show its personalities if it wants to grow. Yeah. Um, they still have cap work to do, though. They're $6 million over the cap with 17 projected players uh, according to uh, Cap Friendly, because with Robin Leonard down, they do not have a projected NHL goaltender on the roster. Because Laurent Broussard, he's also on uh, currently projected as injured reserve. Um, Patrick Nolan is on there. Nicholas uh, Haig is on there. Um, yeah, in, in the, uh, in the system, they've got 
Michael Hutchinson, who might actually end up their starting goaltender for a while this year. Hutch, still around. The Hutch oven at 32 years old. Yep. Wow. Um, you've got Logan Thompson, a 25-year-old who I genuinely don't think has ever has played in the NHL yet. I believe he has one start. Oh, no, actually, he has 20 starts. Uh, he actually had 19 starts last season for the Vegas with a 914 save percentage. Nothing to sneeze at, but that's still not a huge sample. I think, um, I think with him, they're just concerned with the lack of, of, of experience. But I believe that they look at him as a potential future in that and you've, I mean, Hutchinson played two games last year for the Leafs, eight games the year before for the Leafs, um, but hasn't consistently played in the NHL since the 16-17 season. And so does Vegas make a deal for a goaltender? They can't. I mean, unless they're unless the goaltender is part of a big package that moves a lot of money off the roster. They can't. They're hosed. Well, they are $5.8 million over the cam at the moment. I mean, you look at Hutch and he's got a 905 save percentage across 137 NHL games in his career. Um, not spectacular, but for a guy who doesn't really get consistent reps, uh, not completely terrible because his game total best season at 38 uh, in 14-15 for the Jets, he had a 9-14 save percentage. Um, the next year, he played 30 games for the Jets and had a 9-07. Um, it's not impossible for him to come in. And play some pretty strong hockey. But that's a long time ago at this point. Sure, you want to take hope from his 2021 season uh, with eight games as a, and a 919 behind the Toronto Maple Leafs defense uh, as hope that he can be impactful. But no, this is going to be an ugly year for the Leafs. I mean, for the uh, for Vancouver, because Vegas, Vegas. Wow. <laughs> I needed to get that caffeine into me about 25 minutes earlier than I did. Um, this is probably going to be a worse season for Vegas than last season. And I know most of a lot of Vegas's fan base was ready to throw the whole franchise away. Um, because they didn't make the playoffs, but yikes! Well, well, when you when you start the when you start your you know franchise off with a Stanley Cup final appearance, and then you make the playoffs consistently every year, you kind of get to the expectation that that's not going to change. <laughs> Reality I mean, is, you're not always going to make the playoffs, people. <laughs> I mean, given the age of the players, if there were more cap space available across the league, it might be the time to tank. It might be the time to get rid of everyone over the age of 30 
and and you know get as many draft picks for what's supposed to be a really deep draft this year and do that and attempt that rolling reset. Yes, except they have no second rounder, no fourth rounder. No, no, no. If they as I said, if they can trade out uh some big contracts. Oh. But there's not really enough cap space across the league. Plus half of the guys who they do have signed have no movements and no trades, which would make it a touch more difficult. I mean, uh, Braden McNabb, 31 years old, has a modified no trade. Alec mm-hmm. Martinez, 35 years old, modified no trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Petrangelo, 32 years old, has a no movement clause. Between the three of them, you're talking 16, 17 million uh, on the blue line. And then the five highest played forwards who amount to a lot of money. Um, over, over a third of your total cap hit all have no movements or no or modified, no trades. I mean, Eichel 12 and 12.1% of the cap stone 11, 5% Carlson 7.2%. Marcia so five, uh, 6.1 and Riley Smith 6.1. Well, if they really want to tank, they can certainly trade me Shea Theodore. I would not complain. I, you know, if if they I, I would have to I would have to uh, work really hard to find a place in my heart for uh, Alex Petrangelo on the Boston Bruins. But um, I think I could manage it if given enough time. Um, I think something like a Pikto second ought to work. Okay. I was thinking Shea's a little bit cheaper, a little bit younger. Plays both sides. Either and, way works. And yeah, we're probably not going to have what they want, but... you know. <laughs> No, no, not without uh, sending them back some other other players. Um, let's talk no, about the local stuff since we're already talking about the local stuff. There's local stuff. Absolutely, there's local stuff. Okay. We talked. Um, we asked the question last week about whether uh, Lysel, Fabian Lysel, could actually make the roster uh, to open the season. Mm-hmm. And we put up a poll uh, during the show. Yeah, we did. Uh, 42.1% of respondents said no. Said 57.9% said yes. What... Based on what we're seeing right now out of the Boston Bruins, uh, what we're seeing out of the various other press uh, outlets, what's happening over at the World Juniors, uh, where he has uh, in two games a goal and two assists, plus one. Uh, what? What's your gut telling you? Mm, nope. He's going to be the first call up, but no, I don't think it's going to happen. 
it, it's a it's a nice thought. He plays right wing. We're always talking about, oh, wait, we need some guy to play on the right side. At least I think that's our problem. Don't have enough right wingers. I, I just don't I don't see it happening. I think there's too many uh, players that they are paying. And, and I hate that it comes down to that, but they're not going to sit. Somebody who's making millions when he's only making entry level money. I think that he's going to put up a strong challenge at the at 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 training camp. I just think that he's going to be like the lot one of the last ones sent back to Providence, and then he'll so, be the first guy called up. What do you think he would have to do, or what do you think would have to happen for him to make the roster out of camp? Because I I think that he can. But I think that it's a I think they need to I think if you see them between now and then um, buy out or in some other way, remove Nick Foligno from the equation, then he's in. So what about the idea that they simply assign Foligno to the AHL? Will he accept that? Can they do that? Doesn't he have to? I mean, he'll clear waivers, I would assume. I don't know that anybody's going to really reach out and grab, but it's possible. I mean, it, but it's big money. How much? W- they don't pay. If somebody grabs him, though, Nick they don't Lino pay. Is, is being paid $3.8 million. Right. Um, but if he's claimed off of waivers, they don't pay the $3.8 million. Um, well, yes and no. They're paying. He's got a $1 million signing bonus this year. So that got paid uh, free agency day or at least the start of the new season, start mm-hmm. of the new calendar year. Um, so there would be 2.8 left for someone to pay for the rest of the season. Um, I mean, is it possible that Columbia, is it possible that somebody else could pick him up? Because, yes, he would have to clear waivers if they sent him down to a down to the A. Would he I, there, there's certainly the possibility someone will pick him up. And I know that Columbus is definitely closer to the playoffs than a lot of people think they are. But they're right now, Columbus Blue Jackets are, and this is with cap friendly projecting 25 players on the roster. Um, they're 1.8 and change over the cap. Um, that includes 15 forwards, eight defensemen. So I, I suspect there'll be some money freed up when one, well, at least two forwards get sent back and maybe a defenseman. So they could just based on the math, add Nick Felino in that way. I mm-hmm. mean, Bruins could trade him there with a cap with a, uh, with a draft pick in order to, in order to uh, free up the space as well or something like that. But I mean, they actually do have quite a few right wing and you got Coyle can play the wing and is I, in my opinion, I think he's better as a winger than a center. I think that's his best position. Yes. 
I think, I mean, DeBrusque plays right wing. You got Felino. You got Craig Smith. Uh, now, if you ask me who I think would be is more likely to go after uh, a Felino type uh, in order, especially if it includes them picking up a draft pick. Uh, it's someone with cap space, someone like the Chicago Blackhawks, who are clearly in um, rebuild mode. We'll call yes. it. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, we can be we can be nice about it and say rebuild. Sure. Um, because he's a he's a guy who's going to show up. Uh, each Chicago fans are going to be familiar with him from his time in in Minnesota and Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um, they still need to add some players, but they've still they've built, they've also got nine million or eight and a half million in cap space at the moment. So just, sure, if they can pick up another second round pick this year or something like that, they're they're perfectly happy going to the draft with uh, with three. And- Second round picks this year, and then there's the, and then there's the the, the the draft, no the, no 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 the whole draft themselves. No the then there no what I'm saying is, my opinion it would have to be somebody like Felino would have to go. The issue is that the man in the corner office there, <clears throat> Sweeney, um can't seem to make those kind of deals uh, incapable comes to mind or chooses not to. And I don't know that Montgomery is going to be able to put up an argument that he would rather have Lysel than Flynn. I think that I just think that the fact that he's making the money he's making Unless Felino really comes out and just struggles mightily in training camp and really doesn't look like he can handle it, I think that he's going to win a spot over Lysel. And I, it, it, as much as I want to see Lysel like everybody else, we want to see him get younger. We want to see guys who can put the puck in the net. I don't think he's going to be out of camp on the roster. I think he's going to be one of the last ones sent down and. He'll be a first call up if something does happen to a Polino or a Smith, because Smith seems to be getting injured more as he gets slightly older. And that uh, that's always a possibility. Um, I don't know that it's. I wouldn't put it as highly likely. I'm not going to write it in as 80 or 90 percent chance that Lysel makes the team. Would I say 60% chance out of camp? Yeah, I would. Given how many times Sweeney has talked about him, he's center of attention for the, for, for, for the front office. And I think that's important. I guess, I guess, I guess if you answer the question exactly the way it's worded, can Fabian Lysel make the NHL Bruins roster out of camp? The answer would be yes. Do I think he's going to make it? My answer is no. They're two different questions. They are. Can he? Absolutely. I think he can. He really lights it up and you just he gives you no option, but you actually have to keep him on the roster. Yes. I believe that he possibly can do that. Do I think it's going to happen? No. 
I think there's I think there's too many other factors that come into play. And unfortunately, whether you like it or not, I think money comes into play. I don't particularly like it. I do understand it. Um, hey, Chris. Yeah. Oshawa. The Generals, yeah. Uh, Eric Lindros played there. A bunch of very talented uh, first-round players played there. Yeah, what about them? August 22nd through August 26th, they are doing a train like the generals event called the future generals um, for kids uh, ages seven to 13. Ooh. And one of the players that they have on their, uh, on the marquee as helping to train their, these even younger kids is a kid named Brett Harrison. Uh, you may, uh, you that, may have heard of him once or twice. That name is familiar to me. Brett Harrison, wasn't he a Beatle? I think that's a different Harrison. Um, okay. But this one uh, does, in fact, belong to... He's a Bruins draft pick, isn't he? He is a Bruins draft pick. Who oh. happens to have 61 points in 65 games, including 27 goals for those Oshawa Generals last season. Uh, 19 years old, just turned 19 this uh, June 7th uh, from from Dorchester, Ontario, and he was second on the team in scoring uh, to only Tyler Tulio, the overaged right winger belonging to the Edmonton Oilers. So Brent Harrison is going to go up and start molding young minds. Hmm. Uh, maybe not mines, but certainly hockey habits, but okay. Hockey skills. Then, um, personally, I think this is a good sign. They only, the tweet itself only contains about four or five players in the picture. Um, and you're picking the guys who you think are going to be best for it, who have not only displayed the best, on the ice, but off the ice. And I think this is a good sign for what uh, Boston Bruins fans can expect from Harrison in the future. Um, we all know that the community involvement element here uh, is something that even when the players aren't talking about it, it gets noticed. I mean, it Oshawa. Was- I mean, Oshawa has a tradition. Oshawa, Oshawa has a tradition of winning and, Brett Harrison played there and for him to go back and, and be involved with teaching skills to, to young players. I mean, that's, that's saying something about this young man and, and about, and in an extension to the fact that the Bruins drafted this youngster and that, you know, when he does make the club, they'll be benefiting from all of that. It, it, it's a, it's definitely a nice, it's a nice piece. It's it's a. I hate to say it's a marketing opportunity, but again, this is one of those things that the NHL needs to figure out how to utilize these tools that are given to them and market this to their advantage. The NHL is to marketing what. Um 
Wait, wait. We're not in school time, so don't don't go with SAT questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm hard pressed to come up with a uh, safe for uh, minors and work comparison because it's not pretty. I don't. I, I just. What is with the NHL marketing department? This is a, this, these things are opportunities and. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that this is going to sway millions of people to come and become hockey fans, but in the right markets and in the right circumstances, I'm sure you could get some new fans. And that's the whole point. It's not just getting young players into the system. It's getting more people to watch and buy tickets and buy jerseys and buy coffee mugs and water bottles uh, and cheer for the games and tune. It's about, it's about building. It's about building the sport, not just the pipeline, which I don't see any evidence that the NHL's marketing department understands. I think, I just don't, I think the Bruins should be, putting this out there as well. Again, how hard is it? How hard would it be for the Boston Bruins to have a story like about this on the front page? They could even have the Oshawa generals PR person write it or Brett Harrison's dad, who is mm, noticeable on Twitter, not huge, not hugely active, but noticeable on Twitter. Not hard. And when the event actually happens, hey, you know, three short videos of him interacting with kids. You put it, you Ooh. put it on, you put it on the face of the Bruins page for like, hey, you know, congrats to our, congrats to Brett Harrison going on, going back to his OHL club or something. You know, just educate, you know, and and working with the youngsters in the in in the Oshawa Generals future Generals camp. You know, just I'm not saying you have to promote the generals camp. I mean, it would be nice it's, if you give them a little cross promotion there. It, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't need in a a three a, a four night NFL films uh, <laughs> treatment. But spending 45 collective minutes of putting together 12 minutes of good content. That's a no brainer. Literally a no brainer. And yet. Nothing. Here we are. <clears throat> well, we're talking about it. Yes, we are. I think, I think we're it's a, not quite average hockey fans. This I is, know that's shocking to you, but we're not. Well, we we talk about other things like the Canadian women's national team and and the Boston Pride. Premier Hockey Federation, four PHF players named to Hockey Canada Summer Showcase. Absolutely. And even more importantly, Sammy Davis of Pembroke, Mass., uh, former Boston University forward, has re-signed with the Boston Pride uh, for a third, uh, who are going for a third straight league championship. Um, 25 years old, selected by the Boston, by the Pride in 2020. Um, scored four goals during her rookie season, one assist. Um, 
and was a finalist for the league's newcomer of the year last season, 12 goals, five or 12 points with five goals, seven assists in 20 games earned a selection to the 2022 all-star showcase. Um, three, two point game streaks, uh, including one to close out the season. And is, as we mentioned that two time Isabel cup champion, um, I uh, reassembling that much talent to go for a third title in a row. Um, so this, this if come you're on. not watching the Boston Pride this season. Well, don't 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 claim you're a women's hockey fan. Just don't. I mean, you, you, first time, two time Isabel Cup champions. Yep. Back to back, you've got. We're signing talent like Sammy Davis. We've got Corrine Trader and Jiguer. Uh, what's uh, I don't want to mess up her name. Elizabeth. You got yeah Elizabeth. You got Corrine Trader and, and goaltender and Elizabeth Jiguer. <clears throat> Excuse me. She's from the Minnesota Whitecaps, it, it, but Corrine Trader is Boston Pride goaltender. It, it, they're going to the Canadian national team. I mean, along with other players we talked about, like Michaela Grant Mentis, and, and <laughs> who's who just signed with the Buffalo Buttes. So you got the PHF growing. They're they're getting out there. They're international. You got locals with Boston Pride with Kareen doing her thing. We're signing players like Sammy Davis, two-time Isabel Cup champions. How are you not watching women's hockey yet? I don't know. Uh, but welcome back, Sammy. Uh, I hope the long commute doesn't get to you. Oh, yeah. Long commute. She's coming, uh, all, the way, uh, coming all the way from where? Pembroke? Uh, yeah. Pembroke. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, to get to Boston, maybe half hour tops. Maybe a little so- bit more. It's out there a little bit. You found this one. <laughs> I couldn't quite pick when you showed it to me. But okay. asked, you need a player to score 100 points in an NHL season. Yep. Which player out of these four are you picking? I, I was actually a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, my the easy answer is the guy from Toronto, but the four choices in no particular order are Mika Rantanen, Kirill Kaprizov, Artemi Panarin, and Mitch Marner. I gave it a little bit more thought than that, but yes, the, the, the quick, the quick answer off the top of my head would also be the kid from Toronto, Mitch Marner. But if you think, in my opinion, if you think it through a little bit further, the other three guys are wingers. Mitch Marner is a center. I think Mitch Marner has a better chance of getting to 100 points. The wingers kind of need that center. They need that distributor. I mean, yes, can Kaprizov create his own chances? I believe he can. Miko Rantanen, he's all right with it. I mean, I don't know that he's 
a superstar when it comes to creating his own championships. He's really good. He's a very good player. You get him in your fantasy. He scores your points. You know, Artemi Panarin, I think he needs somebody to set him up. I mean, he had when he played with Kane and 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 um, uh, the, the the guy who went to Ottawa. And I'm, I'll, I'll I'll remember his name when I can't remember his name. But when he played in Chicago, he had people to set him up. Mitch Marner is that distributor. He is that setup guy. And we've said it many times where I think Mitch Marner is a better all-around player than Austin Matthews. And I think that he has a better chance of getting it. So, yes, my quick answer and my thought-out answer is the same guy, Mitch Marner. Now, when you actually look at the stats before, guys, mm-hmm. uh, Mitch Marner jumped into the league in the 16-17 season. Um, he's still only 25. Um, Kirill Kaprizov is also 25. He's played He played the abbreviated season, the 2021, and then 81 of 82 last season. Um, Mika Rantanen uh he jumped into the league in the 15-16 season uh played 9 games uh and then Artemi Panarin uh also jumped in the 15-16 season uh-huh. um he's actually the old man of the group at 30 um only Kaprizov has actually had a 100 point season and that was last year okay uh, Martyrs come close twice. He has a ninety. He had ninety-seven points in seventy-two games last season. He had ninety-four points in eighty-two games in his third season. Um, Miko Rantanen had ninety-two points in seventy-five games last year. Um, eighty-seven points in seventy-four games in eighteen uh, nineteen, and then Panarin. Um, it, it, had 96 points in 75 games last year and then 95 points in 69 games uh, when when we had it into the pause of the 1920 season. Um, it's, I mean, if Panarin could stay healthy, he might be my choice to be the most consistent 100-point scorer. But that's a that's a ridiculously talented group of four players. Yes, and I'm not going to argue that any one of them isn't capable of getting up to 100 points. Obviously, Kaprizov did. But I mean, and it, had I researched this more, because I did it without diving into stats. But if you look at Kaprizov, such as you did. His center for most of the season, if I'm not mistaken, was Joel Erickson Eric. One of the best two way players in the league, yeah. But Joel Erickson Eck finished last season seventy seven games, only had forty nine points. Twenty six yeah, goals was making a lot of his so, own offense. So I guess I just shot down my own argument that Kaprizov and I I did say that he he See, I think he's the most capable of winger of the wingers to make to create his own chances. 
See, now for me, Kaprizov, I think, passes back and forth more to the defense. And I think some of his points production is the system there, okay. not simply himself. Because uh, you have skater, you have skaters on that blue line. Uh, we've talked about blue line in Minnesota for a couple of years. You've some got guy, guys. Who, some guy named Dumba's there. Some guy named Dumba who is uh, who everyone has talked about as being on his way out for like ten years. Um, Goligoski can still skate. Um, Jonas Brodine can still skate. Jared Spurgeon, one of the most underrated players in the league. Um, he can skate and pass. <clears throat> um, and that that mobility at the back end is not to be underrated when you've got a guy like Kaprizov who can flat out bust his butt moving up the ice at pace. You, know, you got Spurgeon had 40 points, 10 goals and 30 assists. Uh, Dumba had 27 points. Uh, Jonas Brodeen had 30 points. So the defense up there, yeah, they 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 can contribute to the offense a little bit. And they can contribute not just <laughs> with direct passes and scoring themselves, but they get out of their own zone. Kuligoski had 30 points last season. They get out of their own zone. Like, that's a big issue up in Toronto. Can you imagine if Toronto's defense were as good at getting out of their own zone as Carolina or or uh, Minnesota or Colorado? That team would that team would finish the season with like sixty two wins. Wasn't there a time? Wasn't there a time like five seven years ago we wanted Goligoski on the Bruins? I would still take Goligoski on the Bruins. He's thirty seven now. Give him a nice year or two run. I mean, I think he's in a better position to win a cup where he is. Yes. But uh, that doesn't mean that I would cry hysterically uh, for months and months if they traded for him today. But back in 15-16, his last season with the Stars, he played all 82 games. And he had 37 points. And I think that was around the time we were like, wish we could get our hands on him. But then he goes to the Coyotes. Where hopes and dreams go to die. I mean, he missed four they're games. They're rebuilding constantly. Ten games. Actually, I'm not sure that's so with the Coyotes, so in five seasons with the Coyotes, he missed a total of ten games. <laughs> yeah. Ten games. Ten. Ten. In five seasons. And he was 32 when he went to the Coyotes. Yes. <laughs> um, it, I think that my argument doesn't play out as well as I thought it did. Uh, but going with going with Kaprizov being the one, I still think Marner. I still think I'd take Marner just because he plays a center position, and the fact that he can play the wing position as well. And his I his two way game is more solid than it needs to be. I think that he's still going to be my first choice. I love Kaprizov. I mean, what he's been able to do since his rookie season. 
is nothing short of, of amazing. I think that the team that he's on allows him to be the Kirill Kaprizov that we see. And absolutely. Um, I think for me with the larger sample size from the other guys, and I'll let you talk about this for uh, a minute or so um, with the larger sample size for the other guys. I think that they're more likely to continue at that level simply because they've proven they can play against the NHL at that level while when people are prepared for them uh, during the lockout uh, or during the uh, COVID era seasons. I mean, one year he only played in his division that first year. And then the last year he still only played. It was still the first year coming back and most teams hadn't seen him. I, I want to see what happens with Kaprizov this year and next year before I anoint him as the next great wing out of the uh, mighty nation of Russia. Okay. Well, in my, uh, in my, in my argument here, the fact that Panarin is already hitting 30, he started in the NHL rather late. I think that playing on a wing with Mika Zibanejad is good for him. I just don't know that he's going to crack that 100-point barrier. I think the consistency of I mean, yes, he hit 96, 96 points last season. 95, two seasons ago. Ugh, I don't know. I don't see it with him. I think that. I think that he's going to rest somewhere between 80 and 100 points. Unfortunately, not getting any younger. As far as Miko Rantanen goes, and I'm a huge Miko Rantanen fan. Uh, then again, I also love Nathan McKinnon. And, <laughs> and the fact that they get to play together, to me, is is exciting prospect. The thing with Miko Rantanen is that the consistency isn't there. You look at the points production over the last three seasons, and this is the real breakout year that he's had. I mean, the last time that he came close to this was in 2018-19 when he had 87 points. In 19-20 season, though, he was injured for literally half the year, and okay. he still was a point per game. Um he was over a point per game in the shortened season, the season before last. I okay, but using the point per game metric, you you're you're arguing against him getting eighty two points. Uh, no, no, no. I I think that he could get. I think that all these guys. Yeah. Assume all four guys are healthy. I don't see any of them <laughs> struggling to get to eighty two points. Um, but the hundred point plateau is, it's a big one. It's not just being consistent. It's not just being lucky. It's having both of them happen at the same time a lot. I know that age is just a number, but I guess the major can, I guess out of the four the my, my, biggest concern but he gets to play with Zibanejad is is just Panarin and the fact that he came to the NHL at 26 he's been impressive since and I think that a rookie is a rookie I don't think that they're 
I don't think that there necessarily should be an age. Maybe you should take into account what they've done before coming to the NHL rather than just having the eight, the number being a barrier to whether he can be a rookie. And that's a whole another argument for another time. But that's a whole show. Like, <laughs> I'm not trying to create shows here, but we could do 30 minutes on what the NHL newcomer award should look like. Newcomer award. I like that. We'd have to come up with a, a who, whose name to put on it, of course, because they all happen to have names. So we'll call it the Gretzky because he wasn't technically a rookie when he joined the NHL. Really? He played in the WHL first or WHA first. Well, OK, wait a minute. If you're going to make that argument, then you got to say that all these other kids that join are playing in the OHL or the, or the WHL or the they're playing in another league. So they're not rookies either. The WHA was an NHL equivalent. It was competitive. It was created to be a rival of the NHL. Okay. The OHL, the WHL, the USHL, those are feeder leagues. They're developmental. There's there's a difference. Okay. And it's intended to be there. As I said, though, I still think I still think I take Marner. Just because. Uh, the position that he can play, he can play wing. His ability to his ability to play to two uh, hundred foot game. I know that the the parameters are one hundred points, but unfortunately, in a va- it's tough to decide that sort of thing in a vacuum. So I still take Marner. And let's see. Speaking of taking, the Canadian Women's uh, World Championships roster has taken not one, not two, not three, but four WHF, uh, PHF players onto their roster. Uh, And that tournament, as we mentioned last week, is gearing up. Uh, The PHF... Uh, announced that Jaguar, Grant Mentis, Knowles, and Schroeder are all headed to that camp running from the 3rd to the 14th. Ends today. Uh, we should hear that roster. We should hear that final roster today. And as we said, you know, Boston Pride goaltender, Kareem Schrader. Um, and that's Elizabeth Jaguar of the Minnesota Whitecaps. Uh, Olivia Knowles, um, Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Jaguar is a is a is Boston is Pride. Boston Pride yeah. Is the Minnesota Whitecap and Michaela Grant Mentis, uh, Buffalo Buttes, uh, free agent this year. They yeah. opened with a really big roster of 87 players. Are there are there three other women's programs at the international level that can actually open with 87 players who they genuinely believe can compete at that level. I'm sure the U S can. Do they now, do they have to cut that 87 number down to like 23 or 40 or 32? I'm sure they cut it down to some sort of something close to real roster size. Okay. Um, But that's, that's an enormous number of players. I mean, the most we've ever seen it 
say the Boston Bruins development camp, I think we saw 60 a couple of the early years uh, when we were going. Um, but 87, that's that's, that's like four sessions uh, where you have a team-sized group of players on the ice. Well, you got – the two of the, the 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 two brought the two Boston Pride players, uh, Elizabeth Jaguer earned a silver medal at the 2015 U18 World Tournament, recognized as one of the team's top three players, seven points in five games. Uh, and Corinne Schrader won was with the team for the 2000. She also brought home silver medal 2017 U18 tournament. Uh, so they're not just joining the team. They've got international experience. They bring that international experience back to Boston. That's what excites me is, is that they played together on the international roster. They bring in all that experience. I just, uh, I, I think it's great for, I think the PHF needs to market the heck out of this. <laughs> And that's what they're doing because they've got it right here on the official site of the Premier Hockey Federation. Yay. No, this is a 87. If they have to cut it down, I mean, how do you cut it down when you invite 87 people? And and with you must have a whole second team ready to go, whole second roster. I mean, you that's. Just the logistics of finding enough staffers to keep an eye on the players as they go through exercises, drills, work off-ice workouts, um, and holy wow, I don't want to be the equipment uh, people for that that many players. Nope. <laughs> uh, if it works anything like the Bruins camp where the, where the players have two jerseys, white and a black or whatever, um, for different sessions. Um, you're watching, you're washing two jerseys times each player and everything else, the rest of the equipment. That's, that's a lot. So it's 174 jerseys. <laughs> and that's exactly what I would be doing too, sneezing. <laughs> Bless you, whatever praise you that's a whole lot of laundry. Yeah, 174 jerseys. Sure. And the dust coming out of that, uh, out of their dryers, must be immense. <laughs> um, what else do we have on the board for the day? Uh, wait, oh. wait, wait. We, did we talk World Junior? Have we have we have we, we expounded upon? We talked the- World Juniors, um, which is a shame. Um, because there are a couple of games today. Um, oh, yeah. USA is playing uh, Sweden. USA, Sweden, um, Finland, Slovakia just kicked off. Um, Czech, uh, Czechia and Latvia. Um, and then tomorrow you've got Switzerland and Australia, Canada and Finland, which should be that should be a, a really good match. And then Sweden, Germany. Okay, is it just me or is Germany the surprising, um, uh, the surprisingly competitive team of the tournament? 
I haven't seen a whole lot of the tournament, but what I have seen and with is that I was surprised that Germany has pulled off the two wins that they pulled off. I think that, I mean, they're still the the their goal differential is still a minus one. So I'm it, it's not overly shocking, but the fact that they've got a couple of wins and that they're kind of right there in the middle, they've got the same number of points as Sweden. They're not they're not just rolling over and and playing fodder to the U.S. and Canada and Finland per se. No, um, the, this is this is a tournament that you know if you need that hockey fix midsummer, uh, go for it. Um, it's not hard to find where the games are. Um, the U, uh, team USA leads the leads group B. They have nine points. Uh, Sweden and Germany are right behind them with six. Canada, not surprisingly, leads uh, Group A um, with nine points. Uh, they have pl- uh, both Canada and U.S. have played more games than Sweden, Germany, um, or uh, Finland, but. Um, Czechia has also played uh, the same number of games at three. Uh, they only have four points. Uh, I uh, This is an interesting-looking tournament. Uh, Canada's goal differential is not surprising at 21-4 and four against. But USA is, is 19-4 and two against. Um, and the less said about poor Austria, the better. Yes. I think the I think the thing about this tournament that get I mean there's literally one player in this tournament that has double digits in points that's Mason McTavish of Canada and we discussed this prior to the show and I I do kind of agree with this and I don't know how deeply we want to dive into this but the fact that when you look at these rosters with the exception of maybe Switzerland and Austria the number of players that are on these rosters that are all draft picks for the NHL. And then there's even like Thomas Bortolo on the U S team who is actually playing with San Jose sharks. Would we not be better served to have a tournament with undrafted players so that they can showcase their talent and possibly get that look from a, a national hockey league team or get that professional tryout, get that. I would love that contract. sort of tournament. You might have to do it alongside this tournament. Cause I don't think, you, I think that teams and organizations and countries have too much invested in this. Um, and you might have to delineate pretty harshly um, who's eligible for which can or which roster. But I I would love to see a tournament where some of the kids who were undrafted in the last two seasons um, compete and get lined up on teams, um, and each of the NHL teams can make one selection out of the tournament uh, effectively as a second-round draft pick uh, type quality because there's going to be some surprising players if they choose to. And anyone else gets signed with this, with like the equivalent contract of a fifth round pick. 
Um, there's still a lot of good players who, for one reason or another, get missed. And I think that every opportunity should be made to continue to grow the game and keep the quality high. Okay. And I, and I agree. I think that this is something that I think this is something that should definitely happen. I mean, is the argument is the argument against that they already have a sort of tournament like that in, in Hlinka Gretzky, but in Hlinka oh, Gretzky, please. aren't they drafted players as well? A lot of times they're drafted players and that's an even smaller tournament. That's like five or six countries. So I yes, so we need to open this up to to the IIHF and have the have them with a much broader appeal and get these kids in that they aren't the top rated players and they're, they're not the the ones that we're sure are going to be drafted in the first, second, third round, whatever. You know, but there's some talented kids out there. Absolutely, they need, a, they need an opportunity opportunity to showcase their their wares on on a world stage as well in my opinion and i would love i would love to see to be the focus of the scouts attentions not just other guys on the ice because tunnel vision happens well yeah considering when you go to a turn when you go to a like the hockey east tournament or you go to one the ncaa tournament and you know that every scout in the stands is sitting there looking at brady kachuk well, did you kind of miss that Zegris kid? Oh, wait, we noticed him the next year. But yes, Trevor Zegris was on that team, too, by the way. <laughs> you know, did you go to that tournament and, oh, wait, that Nico Sturm kid. Yeah, well, kind of got over, again, gets overshadowed. I just think that those, and yes, you know, Brady Chuck got drafted. But I think that some of the talent gets overlooked and it's because the focus is on that one projected player. That's going to go really high. Like one of the, I believe the only undrafted player on the Canadian roster is Connor Bedard, a player who was granted exceptional status at like age 15. And so probably going to be a high draft pick when he does. So the scouts already not to be drafted by number five. He's going to be he, he's going to have to be deliberately looking to not be drafted. Like he's going to have to be deliberately doing things in the in the locker room and in the community to get him bumped out of the top five. It's just not there's no other way for it to happen. I would agree with that. Um, I think we've actually crossed everything off the board this week. Isn't we that shocking? We have. So in that uh, in that case, uh, hockey fans, um, we will talk to you soon. I'll be on Twitter. Chris will be checking in about as often as he normally does. And uh, have a great, great uh, week or so until the next time you hear our voices. Um Stay safe. Hockey is coming. Hockey is coming. Hockey is coming.